What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you with what was an unplanned podcast. It's going to be a podcast all the same. Before we get started about having an honest discussion about the New York Knicks, um, just given the recent reports that have come out via the Daily News and also most notably Fred Katz, The Athletic, of how they're sort of approaching the unofficial start of trade season, just my usual reminder to continue subscribing to us. If you've never checked us out before, if you're on YouTube and you're watching me ramble right now, hit the sub button, like, comment, help the algorithm love us back. Also, if you're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcast and you're just happening to check us out for the first time, please hit that sub button and do both. Be on YouTube, subscribe to the actual pod, follow us on all the socials, really trying to grow those out, TikTok, Instagram, um, Twitter's doing well. We've crossed 5K followers there, so I really do appreciate that. At Hardware Knox on it on TikTok and Twitter, at Hardware underscore Knox on Instagram. And join our Discord. Lots of fun in there. Discord link is in the podcast description and YouTube description. You can also DM me for it if for some reason that doesn't work. That is about it. And this is not a housekeeping note that's coming up. This is the meat and potatoes of everything. Brittany Griner. Coming home, fucking awesome. Super ecstatic about that. Haven't talked a lot about it on this podcast because I'm not an expert in foreign policy and imprisonment abroad, but it was clearly unjust. And I was always kind of, you know, I saw David Dennis Jr. say this around the horn. I was always kind of reluctant to, I had retweeted some stuff, but I didn't want anything. And it wasn't just a matter of it coming off performative, but I didn't want stuff out there to where you think it could actually actively hurt or impede discussion where it was people like for instance people using the black lives matter hashtag when they were posting their um you know all black avatars or whatever and then there were people that came out and said hey you know you're doing this as a display of support or to be performative or whatever but you're actually fucking up the hashtag when it has meaningful shit there and this was different from that but i didn't want to like if anything seen on social media could sort of be used to skew against the case or, or anger people. I just didn't want to, I was so I was, and it's also important. I think is me just because I'm fucking white and male and like the most overrun voice um, in this, like there's too many voices that look and sound like mine, this injury, maybe not sound because I'm nasally as shit, but you catch my drift there. And it was more about, Hey, listening and consuming the information. So yeah, I'm just super excited that she gets to come home. Um, that she gets to escape the 10 month hell that she has been in, in Russia. I hope that um, she's able to heal from this fig- physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, I hope she's able to readjust to life here. Some semblance of normality to be with her family and friends has to be huge for her, but she's also coming back to a country where this is like a split reaction to her coming home that uh, there are people out there that I saw that don't think that, we should have brokered her release. This is going to lead to more Americans being imprisoned abroad um, that, you know, we chose her over Paul, Paul Whelan, which just seems to be way inaccurate. Um, his brother uh, was it Zach Whelan, which was talking to David Whelan, excuse me, was talking to NBC news and says, we don't begrudge Miss Griner, her freedom. As I have often remarked, Britney's and Paul's cases were never really intertwined. It has always been a strong possibility. One might've been freed without the other other. And so to hear that from him, I think that certainly matters here. There's definitely a discussion to be had about how celebrity plays a role into this. But as of right now, like we have a um, black member of the LGBTQIA plus community coming home. And I think that's really just super important and something to be celebrated. And we can also admit that we need to have the discourse on just unjust imprisonment here. And then also, abroad like yeah there's a conversation to be had about that it has nothing to do with 
Brittany Griner coming home. Like that just objectively deserves to be celebrated. So I'm just super stoked for her to see this end. And like, yes, it would, it would be great to see um, Paul Wheeler, uh, Paul Whelan come home as well. In what is objectively the worst segue ever. Let's talk about the Knicks. I originally wasn't going to record a podcast on, on this, but just the reaction that I got to some trade ideas that I posted on Bleacher Report in response to a report from the Athletics Red Cats about how the Knicks are sort of approaching the deadline or the unofficial start of trade season. It rankled me enough. And in the grand scheme of things, like this doesn't matter and I can take it. And it's part of the job description, but like the reaction was so filled with rage in my DMS on the BR app and Twitter and in my mentions on the BR app and Twitter that I felt the need to kind of talk about it. And so the report from Fred Katz said that league sources have noted the Knicks are active on trade calls leading up to the December 15th, which is when most of the players who signed new contracts this season uh, are eligible to be moved. As Bobby Marks already noted, I think 73% of the league is eligible to be traded now. And that number jumps up to 89% on December 15th. We don't always see deals happen right away there, but that is sort of a big hallmark. Katz mentioned Evan Fournier, Emmanuel quickly, Cam Reddish, who's now out of the rotation and Derek Rose, who's also out of the rotation as is Evan Fournier as the names to watch most closely. And he also noted that New York, hasn't shown any interest in attaching a first-round pick to Evan Fournier to get rid of him in the final year left on his deal. Uh, there was really no mention of Julius Randle and the three years left on his contract that I recalled. This type of housekeeping runs counter to how the Knicks operated over the offseason when their primary focus was the ultimately failed acquisition of Donovan Mitchell or another superstar. This report, the latest activity, just suggests that the Knicks are more concerned with simplifying the numerous log jams that have peppered up and down their roster I think that makes sense. The Knicks are forever on the superstar prowl, and it does seem like they're interested in winning now. But like those trades don't really exist. If you weren't going to give up the full boat for Donovan Mitchell, why would you give it up for, let's just even say, Zach Levine or Bradley Beals available? There is more risk caked into both of those players who aren't even as good as Donovan Mitchell is right now, in my opinion. So like you can't go after a superstar. And I also think that needs to change your expectation here. Your Tibbs is already, to his credit, like he's pared down the minutes where, yeah, you can quibble about some of the minutes distributions before Obi Toppin's injury, uh, but like he wasn't, he's not playing Rose. He's not playing Fournier. We had seen more of Obi Toppin before he was injured. He's giving Quentin Grimes run. Deuce McBride is back in the rotation now. And so, yeah, you can actively argue about some of the things that Tibbs is still doing, how uninventive it seems the Knicks can be at times, but like he is playing guys that fans and myself also wanted to be played and like he's cut the excess from the rotation and it's frustrating that cam reddish isn't a part of the rotation but it's also like you look at this roster and it's i would find ways to play cam reddish that i don't think tibbs and tibbs is inventive enough when you look at the minutes distribution the types of lineups he runs but i understand the dilemma of you just have too many bodies and so the knicks seem to be just kind of clearing up that log jam now the reddish and quickly stuff is interesting because Reddish is going to be a restricted free agent. Quickly, like Obi's, you want to be extension eligible this summer. The Knicks have a bunch of guards and Deuce McBride and um, Jalen Brunson, of course, RJ Barrett being a wing slash guard, and then uh, Quentin Grimes uh, as well. So, like, I don't know. This does this, it shows that they're not invested in either of these guys, really. And quickly has been a lot better defensively. And I think he brings a nice change of pace to the offense. And so, if I were a team, 
I would think about giving up a protected first round pick for him. Like would Phoenix give up? I know they have campaign, but like the Chris Paul injury stuff and just knowing what quickly could really do on defense, do you consider giving up this year's first round pick for him? I think that there are also fans based on the reactions to my mentions that would want more for quickly. And I just don't know that you're going to get that. If quickly was considered this super hot commodity around the league, and it doesn't matter my impressions or your impressions of him. It matters how people view him around the league. I think that the Knicks would have had an easier time than Donovan Mitchell trade sweepstakes where we might've just heard more chatter there. Um, And the other thing here is just like the Knicks have complicated the value of their youngsters by in two different ways, by one sort of complicating or obfuscating their roles to this point. Whereas like, even if quickly is playing a steady role, there's still those years in the rear view. And on top of that, they are later in their contracts. Cam Reddish about to be restricted free agent. Manual quickly, extension eligible this summer. Same with Obi Toppin. So you're talking about reinvesting in these guys. And so I'm not saying the Knicks need to make a move just for the sake of making a move, but I do think fans, and I'm not trying to pander from a soapbox, I do think fans need to adjust their expectations for what you're expecting back from these guys. And I also think that you need to have an honest view of what the Knicks actually need to do here. In an ideal world, one of two things would happen. They would trade for a superstar that vaults them into contention or near contention, or they would tear the whole fucking thing down and actually rebuild and stick with it for once. That's not how this franchise operates. They're trying to straddle some middle ground and level up through that way. And looking at that, I still think as good as we've seen him play lately on the offensive end, the best way to do that is subtraction by way of optimization or optimization by way of subtraction by trading Julius Randall. And I proposed some Julius Randle trades. I'm not going to get into the specifics of them now. And I'm like stammering through this because I don't even want to record this and play the woe is me card. But the reaction I got was just so over the top and I'm fine with people disagreeing, but like to say that I'm the worst human being alive or that I should go to prison or I have these DMS or that I should be fired from my job. I go back and forth on how to react to that stuff um, after all these years in the business, it does still hurt. Like it, I'm a perfectionist. I definitely tie too much of my self-worth to this. And I've tried to become more transparent about that over the past year. I don't like oversharing and I'm uncomfortable doing it, but I still try to do it. Um, but it, what, it makes you reflect on what you wrote. Like, was I wrong? And also I just, I don't really understand it. The negative feedback loop of being a content creator, again, not woe is me. I'm not a minority. I'm not a woman. Like I don't deal with it at the scale of people who are as important Um, or more important than I am. So I'm recognizing that, but the negative feedback loop, especially for someone who like me, who wants to have a discussion, especially with the people who are supportive. And that's why discord is, is so great. But like talking to people on YouTube where they can get, yeah, I need to brush it off. I'll make it clear where they can get mad that I don't think the Pelicans have the best defense in the league. Like that was, you know, we call the Pelicans contenders. We called Zion an MVP candidate, but we said that we're not really sold that their defense is top one or top two. And like, there's people that are, you know, mad about that. That gets frustrating. And this was sort of an extension of that. Uh, the overarching response was the Julius Randle trade sucked. He's getting buckets. Why would you trade Mitchell Robinson in a deal that nets you Miles Turner? And there are two different paths, or maybe three different ones, to go here for me. Is I think the Knicks have essentially created a situation where it's Julius Randle or Obi Toppin long term. If Tibbs all of a sudden starts playing them even more together okay, maybe that's one thing, but are you really going to pay both of them and top of his extension eligible after this season? No. And so by the time his new deal kicks in, Julius Randle has only two left on his. But that being said, that's still just a misallocation of resources. And so you, 
if you move Julius Randle, it opens up more playing time for Obi. You get to experiment with some more different fours, like RJ Barrett at the four. Maybe you're acquiring a different type of four in that trade. And I think that that is the route that I would go. If you're not going to do that, then I think that I'm not saying you have to move Obi, but I think you have to look at, well, yeah, the Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle minutes have been actually killer this year. I think it's helped that you remove Evan Fournier from the equation, not having him on defense. It makes it e- life easier on Mitch makes life easier on Julius Randle as well, because not only is Robinson covering up for less, but now you're replacing Fournier with like, we've seen Grimes in those minutes. We saw Cam Reddish or so like the defense is just going to inherently get better there, but I, they, the they both like to occupy the same spaces. And when you have RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson, who also want to get inside the arc, I think if you want to keep Julius Randle, like you need to go after more of a stretchier big and like Hartenstein just it, clearly he's not that like to the extreme that the Knicks would need and neither is Jericho Sims. And so you've allocated all this equity in Mitchell Robinson, whose deal I think is fine. It's on the higher end, but it declines and he makes sub 13 million in the final year. That might be backup center money at this point, but it's not unreasonable to think that, yeah, he's playing well, but he's also been another player who's up and down. And you need to start thinking about the longer term of this roster where no, would the pathway that I go be trading Mitchell Robinson? No, but if I want to keep Julius Randle, like, yeah, I'm going to look at a Miles Turner trade. And if I'm already going to trade Emmanuel quickly for protected first round pick, I am going to look at including Emmanuel quickly in that deal. And you also need to be realistic about like, okay, Cam Reddish, yeah, he's an intriguing player who the Knicks are not playing. They have not increased his trade value since they acquired him. They gave up a conditional first round pick um, that might end up being two seconds at this point because Charlotte should suck something awful. You, I think that's what you're looking at for Cam Reddish. Not even the conditional first, but it would probably be two seconds if he's traded on his own, or it's as a salary matching tool where you're attaching him to, I don't even think a player. I don't think attaching Cam Reddish to Evan Fournier gets you off of Evan Fournier. Maybe I'm wrong, but you have to be realistic about what the Knicks are working up against here. If you would rather them stand pat then because you're so attached to these players and you don't want to change anything, that's fine, but I don't think you're going to see any transformative change from the franchise then and so i do think that they should be looking to clear up their rotation and it's not just a matter of you know trading the guys who aren't playing it's trading probably one or two of them who are and so anyone who listens to this knows that i would be all aboard just leaning full on into the youth uh and i would you know would i use a first round pick to get off of evan fournier probably not because there's one year left in the deal would i do it just to get off randall and just ensure that you could maximize um the complimentary nature of your front court i might and i think that there are knicks fans um who i count myself among that believe you don't need to give up a first degree to get off his contract i actually agree i think that you could trade him my guess would be well actually my guess they might say no because they could be pretty cheap but like if the suns wanted him and sam cooper the timeline podcast has hammered this home not the exact trade package but like if the suns are looking for that third score that third just player to create for himself and maybe set the table for others and just give their offensive package more diversity. Julius Randle for just Dario Saric and Jay Crowder, like the expiring contracts. Maybe you have to take Landry Shamit back instead of Saric. I I don't know. But like, I think that you could trade Julius Randle without using a first round pick. But I also don't think that that is necessarily a common outcome where I do think that their teams would want a first round pick. And so if you're trading Julius Randle, you're either taking back what I would deem unsavory money um, equally or, or less so you don't want to take back a worse contract um, but like that is the reality of that situation it's if you wanted to set like if Miami's open to pairing him with Bam and their half court offense needs the juice like yeah you're gonna take back Duncan Robinson and then it's Caleb Martin to make the money work unless Miami's want to give up Kyle Lowry in that deal which I don't think that they 
They would be, and I would do that in a heartbeat if I was the Knicks. And that's this isn't to say that I think Julius Randle sucks. His effort has waxed and waned, though, especially on the defensive end. We've seen him hit these offensive highs. They are transient. That's just a fact right now. And so I think you should move him to optimize the rest of your roster. Like I said, it's it's optimization through subtraction. And I fully believe that's what the Knicks should be looking at. And I do think that you need to pull back if you if you have these high expectations, which I'm not saying everybody does. Like the trades I propose, it's fine if you don't like them. And just as like a a thing, like trading Evan Fournier quickly, Reddish, Toppin, and the Dallas first, and Mitchell Robinson for Josh Richardson and Miles Turner. Like, yeah, is that maybe over the top? I think it depends on how much a team like Indiana values Cam Reddish and quickly when quickly's coming into a situation where uh, you know, there's already Andrew Nemhard there and there's already Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Duarte. Uh, so the, you have to factor that in when cobbling together other team packages. And I promise you people, if you're listening to this, who are mad at me or think that I'm complaining. Like I have reached the point where I'm always bouncing trade ideas off either colleagues or now people who are covering the team actively root for the team just to sort of know where both sides are coming from. I'm not just going in there. You know, I'm getting clues of, of clickbait. Hey, newsflash. Writers don't get to pen their own headlines a majority of the time. I will collaborate with the concept and I will never write something that I don't believe is worth writing or that is just too over the top. But like, I'm not trying to piss people off. I'm writing things I believe. I'm trying to give justification for them. And if you're mad at the headline, like just go fucking beyond it at this point. We all know how the sausage is made. And if you want to play the screenshot game, like, yeah, that's fine. Like I've done it too to make jokes. And I've also gone back and forth of, well, I've criticized NBA players um, I've made fun of NBA players. Like I should be able to take it. It does feel different in the sense that like, you know, this isn't me um, saying something racially charged. Like, yeah, th- that's what I've gone after players for. And if you're making a joke, it's different. Like my big forehead, my huge nose, my wide ass ears, like fair game at this point. I'm on camera. Uh, my nasally voice. Like I totally get that. You're like saying that I'm the worst person alive because of a fucking trade. Like I would never call a basketball player the worst player alive because he's missing shots. And I just still don't understand that reaction. And that negative feedback loop has just become exhausting because I still want to content create and to build this community up. And it's not the people I think in this community. It's the ones I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I want to make that clear, but it just was so frustrating. I felt compelled to justify my stance further and say that, Hey, like Knicks fans agree with me when I was hard on Tibbs way back when and hard on the front office. But like as soon as someone deviates from what I guess is the majority line of thinking, like we don't need to actively just, you know, be incendiary with how we're going after them. And I do think a lot of this has to be when you are a fan of a specific team, I think you need to step outside the bubble of that team and look at how teams might view your other players. And I'm not saying that the Knicks need to just trade Emmanuel quickly for a second round pick at this point. I wouldn't do that. Yes, fine. Keep him. I don't even think that they should be shopping him in the first place. I find the way that they've handled him and view him one of the more ridiculous things about this organization. But if you are operating under the assumption that you're going to move him, you need to be realistic about what you're getting back. Don't come at me and say Cam Reddish is worth a first round pick on his own or Emmanuel quickly is worth a first round pick, a high first round pick on his own. Which team is giving you the high first round pick for Emmanuel quickly right now? Who's giving you that high of a first round pick for Emmanuel quickly? I don't have a team that stands out. I thought about Washington a little bit. They don't really have picks to trade. The Knicks already own one of them. So I like, I just, I would implore us to be realistic about what the Knicks value is. And I also think we need to be realistic about what they're trying to do with the deadline. It's not we're. It doesn't seem like anyway, based on the market that it's cobbled together these youngsters and then go after a star that market isn't there right now. And I think we've also seen that other teams 
and you know fan bases they're not valuing these players as highly as the knicks and their own fans would which there's a natural tug of war there i want to make that that happens in every sort of trade negotiation but i do think the knicks have played a role in complicating the value in a lot of their uh youngsters just because of the stop and start nature of some of their roles cam reddish being in and out of the row rotation emmanuel cookie's role not really so much this season but like having vacillated through the first two years of his career and then you're letting these contracts now leak to the point where teams have to pay them soon that also complicates their value so you need to factor that into is how soon before just throwing out there the pacers would need to pay emmanuel quickly that like that needs to be a part of any calculation here and how do teams view mitchell robinson's contract when you know he's one of the least dynamic offensive centers in in the game and centers right now they're not dime a dozen seems rude, but like there's the, the archetype that Mitchell Robinson fills. Yeah. He is just like at times or especially this season, um, especially since he's just returned, he, he's controlled chaos and really good. So I do think he's better than an above average center. But like, if you're asking me whether I would prefer like what miles Turner brings on offense and even defense, like, yeah, I'm going to prefer miles Turner. Like that's, we can be honest and just say that, like, we don't need to overrate all of these, uh, all of these guys. And so that's where I land on the Knicks stuff. And I, the final thing here, just to echo, would be I do think it should be up for consideration that you go the different route of like maybe someone like if you need to use a man, if you're just intent on trading Emmanuel quickly for some reason and you attach him to Julius Randle to get rid of him, like I wouldn't I wouldn't do that because I think at this point you should be able to move Randle without attaching first round type equity. But I don't know that for sure. And there are other like people I talk to think that you do need to attach a first to him to do it, in which case I wouldn't. I don't think the Knicks should be attaching a first to F- Randall, let alone Fournier, who has just the one year left on his deal. Like you need to, we need to look at these things from other teams' perspectives. And so I don't get why everything is so horrible just because, you know, if a fake trade doesn't have the Knicks, uh, you know, getting a star. It's if you're moving Randall, I think that you're improving the outlook of your team by actually being able to discover more about your team. And I think that's how the Knicks should approach the deadline. I don't think they will. I don't ultimately know what happens with how they are approaching the deadline right now, but I will say I would be very surprised if they get any anywhere near what they gave up for Cam Reddish. Even if they get a conditional first round pick for Cam Reddish um, that has a chance of conveying, I will be shocked about that. When it comes to quickly, I don't think a low end first is out of the equation, but like, it's finding the team that's going to do it is hard. Is Orlando going to give up? Like, can they, will they reprotect the protected pick that they own from the Nuggets in 2025? Let's say that pick is top five protection. So, like, can the Magic just say, hey, we're going to keep it if it's selection six through 12? But if it's not, you could, you could get it and we'll take Emmanuel quickly. I, I, something out there like that wouldn't leave me flabbergasted, but I do think that the, the appeal of quickly to teams around the league. It's not just sky high, just because he's valuable to the Knicks and shown a bunch of moments. Like the, it's a guard heavy league right now, and he is about to be extension eligible. So that is going to factor into the equation. There are deals to be made out there for the Knicks, but based off how they're approaching the deadline where they're, I guess, looking to get back picks there. I just don't think that they're situated to do it like they're And you know, I guess you can use San Antonio and Indiana have cap space, that you could trade a Fournier into, but like you're going to be compensating them for that. And it doesn't seem like they want to do that either. And so I'm very confused as to what the end game here is, especially when you're already not playing some of these players that you're looking to move in a Derek Rose in an Evan Fournier. Uh, so I, I, I don't know what to expect, I guess, from the Knicks of the deadline, but I, based off what we've heard, my approach would just be actually clear up 
these minutes or actually try to optimize this roster because it doesn't seem like you're ready to lean into a rebuild and the market's just not ready for you to go after another star. I'm open to letting you to, I'm open to hearing what you think about this comment on YouTube. You can get at me on Twitter at Dan Favalli. You are joining, can join our discord. I'm sure people will be talking about this, Um, but it was just something I felt the need to uh, podcast about because I was honestly just shocked. Like even if you don't, there are trades that I was looking at and I don't know that if I were the Knicks, I would make them but I was trying to justify it through both teams' lenses. Yeah, if, if you asked me if I could trade Julius Randle right now for Jay Crowder and Jar- Dario Sarge, I would do it. Because I think that, you know, maybe Crowder doesn't want to be in New York if they're not willing to pay him long-term. But like, if he's willing to play out the year and actually report to the team, you can do a lot of different cool things at the four. Are you playing him with Obi Toppin at the five when Obi's healthy? Like, he's a better fit alongside Mitchell Robinson, just as someone who's used to kind of um, standing beyond the arc and is not going to ha- he has the same high swings as Julius Randle just without the usage and so it opens up all different sorts of things I don't think it's egregious to think that way where if you could flip Julius Randle for expiring money to be more flexible to have more malleability in your rotation that's a discussion that I think is worth having it doesn't mean you do it I want to make that clear it doesn't mean you do it but like let's have these tough talks and let's not be assholes while we're doing it so let me know where you land on this, the Knicks news, the rumors. What do you want them to do with the deadline? What do you think they should do? How much of an idiot am I Am I actually? Uh, but please remember to, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, subscribe to us, hit the sub button on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Cross Sub, both on the audio podcast platforms and YouTube. If you've done both those things, shout outs on Twitter go a long way because I can retweet them and maybe people will see them. Um, bump our own promos on Twitter. Hit the retweet button. I don't care if you only have like 80 followers. I think every retweet helps it means the world to us and word of mouth tell people uh that you know that you don't know random people on the street or just on twitter if you see them they're looking for a basketball podcast tell them to consider checking this one out i still believe it's underrated af that it's thermonuclear af as well until next time i leave it to shout out like always to the one to the only to the player that the Knicks should give up everything to trade back for clearly obviously very seriously frank Nilakina.